Hello and welcome to another episode of Offbeat Grad. I hope you all are having a lovely Thursday and thank you for listening. Like, I just want to start by saying thank you for listening. Offbeat Grad is officially one year old this week and that's crazy because I have no idea what I'm doing still, but I feel like I've grown a lot in the past year and I'm really thankful that people actually listen to this podcast because that's crazy. And I just have really enjoyed um, doing this little creative outlet. While my blog just feels a bit more curated, um, I definitely pay more attention to like crafting intense blog posts um, a little less occasionally. Um, being able to talk to you guys on this podcast every single week about like current events in the blogging world or just about things that I want to get off my chest, um, that all means a lot to me. And it's just like a low pressure way to talk to my audience and get some feedback and interact with you people. So thank you because it's been a year and hopefully we have another year in the works. So yeah, that's that. Enough thanking you. So today I wanted to do a podcast about why some bloggers are successful and why you're not. So that sounds really harsh and I intended it that way because I'm trying to get clicks (laughs) But it is a little harsh, and I think we don't really talk about the other factors at play when we look at a lot of these top bloggers, top influencers, top YouTube stars, whatever. And it can feel like you're not good enough and like you can't compare with these people who are already on top. But when you take a step back and examine why they're on top, it might shed some light onto the situation and at least give you some more perspective. So this sort of ties into last week's podcast with Sarah from Sarah Stribes, where we talked more about um, some of the background stuff that happens in that influencer sphere and how it can be really misleading if you don't have the full picture. And while that's certainly true and you should definitely listen to this podcast, I just wanted not just this podcast. Yes, this one, but also the last podcast. If you haven't heard that, I would highly recommend it because we had a really good chat. But this one is also going to be pertinent because we're just I'm just going to sit here and I'm going to spell it out for you so there will be no confusion about why those bloggers are so popular and why you're not. So, a section of this will apply to me. I'm not completely hypocritical in the fact that like I understand that some of these things um, relate to me and I will talk about them when they do. So, Let's get right into them. First of all, these don't apply to just bloggers, just influencers. Anyone who's experiencing this kind of online success by their own business, their own personality, etc., will experience some of these to some extent. And of course, there are always exceptions to the rules. So there are, of course, going to be some people who maybe don't fit this narrative or don't fit this perfectly. But I think you can find in most every situation, at least one of these things applies. So let's get right into it. So I outlined five things that explain why bloggers are successful. First, right place, right time. This is the biggest one of the biggest one. This is the reason why there are so many influencers who have been reigning supreme for a few years now, or if they are just now coming up on top, they've been around for a while. And what I mean by this is there really is a shelf life um, when you can get in on something. Like, you can take this back to, like, Bill Gates, or um, Steve Jobs. They they are the prime example of right place, right time. Had they been born 10 years later, they probably would not have experienced that same level of success. Not to say that Bill Gates isn't supremely intelligent and talented, but he was working in a right place, right time situation. Whereas if he hadn't discovered it right then and there, probably someone else would have or would have taken the technology in a different direction and things would be very different. But he just happened to be born in this perfect time 
and happen to be interested in computers and development at the prime time. That is key, and it's very key in blogging as well. Um, I can remember maybe five years ago when blogging was not as popular. People didn't really know you could make a full-time job blogging, and that was really an easier way to hit the ground running. You had less competition, there was less saturation in a lot of niches, Brands were just starting to understand influencer marketing. There was a lot of money being sort of thrown around and it was just a lot easier to make a name for yourself. You can see this on YouTube like 10 years ago probably. A lot of those really big stars are still around today. Um, not all of them, but they definitely had the opportunity to hold on to that wave and just sort of ride it a little bit more. Um, the prime example of this I could think of is Shane Dawson, who um, started really early in YouTube and is still on top today, probably because right place, right time, like had he started that whatever he started in the beginning today, it definitely would not land. So it's interesting how that works out. Um, an example with podcasting is that I would say right time, right place for podcasting was two years ago. And I know I miss that. <laughs> I can recognize that. And a lot of new um, podcasts are starting every day. And there are some great ones. But that's not to say that it's not going to be harder for these newer ones to get noticed when there's such an established audience for like so many big podcasts. So just keep that in mind. Right place, right time is one of the biggest things. I will recognize that this applies to me to some extent. Well, I didn't start blogging um, seriously until 2015. There were no other blog college bloggers. It was a very small community, and that really helped me just get popular. Not to say that I'm, like, supremely popular. That's annoying. But I do mean that I definitely did gain audience, and I definitely had an edge in um, brand deals and stuff like that because of the right place, right time phenomenon. And I like to think that I'm really open about that, and I like to think that I haven't held on to it as well as I wish I had. But this definitely is a thing that has happened, and I definitely realize it. And a lot of big bloggers, influencers, um, YouTubers, whatever, all sort of have this under their belt if they're really successful today and they've been around for a while. Like, just question whether they hit, hit the market at the right place in the right time. My biggest gripe with this is when bloggers or influencers start selling products based on their success and they'll be like I did it like overnight and so can you and like yes they might have done it overnight but how much of that was right place right time would the same thing be possible today usually it's not and that's just because the internet moves really fast and new things are always coming and we don't know what platform is going to be popular next or what niche is going to be popular next and that's just part of it next privilege so this might seem controversial to say. I talked about it a lot in the last podcast, but I needed to say it again because there is a certain level of privilege that comes along with being able to dedicate a lot of time to this. And I will um, admit that I did have a level of privilege when I was starting as well. Um, first of all, I was able to blog from college. A lot of people can't go to college, and that kind of flexibility in my schedule made it possible to dedicate a lot of time to my blog. When I was first getting started and then also I was able to um, begin freelancing pretty much immediately after college after um, quitting a job and that was because I had money saved from college um, mostly from student loans like let's be honest um, that I was able to put towards my living expenses while I made this work and had I not had that little comfort nest 
I probably wouldn't have been able to afford it. And I did end up actually needing another job to support myself. But there was a period of maybe two months or so where I did not have one. And I was just making it by on what I had. And I'm lucky that I had that for so long. Even if it was limited, I did have it and a lot of people don't. And even then, later on, um, I was able to quit my job again um, a year ago and pursue this full time. And I was lucky to have such a foundation of freelancing clients and blogging um, income that I was able to support myself. Um, I did not have other support. Um, I'm the sole breadwinner in my household. I live with my boyfriend, but he's still in college. Um, and I made most of the money, but I was, once again, sort of still in a position of privilege had I lived alone. I probably wouldn't have been able to afford it because rent is really expensive here. I don't live at home. Um, I live by myself with my boyfriend, and it's really expensive to live, so like I had the extra support from his income as well. Things like that are at play, and I don't think we're very transparent when we talk about our lifestyles and how, how certain things play out, and I do think... Um, no one is obligated to share their personal life online or talk about their financial situation. But I do think when we are selling things online or selling a certain lifestyle, um, it can be very misleading to be like, maybe they have a spouse who is the sole breadwinner and pays the mortgage. Maybe they live at home or they have their parents who are sending them a check every month. I don't know. And I'm not trying to shame people who are in these situations. These are certainly, everyone has their own their own life and their own financial situation and that's totally cool but the issue is when you see people online and they seem to be like living such a luxurious life and they were able to completely source their income from their online business that isn't always possible for everyone because you need that you need to pay the bills and it takes a long time to build your own business in any capacity and if you're not able to pay the bills then you can't focus on your business so that's what i'm trying to say here and I hate whenever I'm online and I see people who are just like, oh, just quit your job. Just go for it. Like, I understand what they're saying. Yes, you should just go for it. Um, you should go for your dreams. But uh, I would tell people the opposite. If you want to go for your online business dreams, go out and get yourself a part-time job right now because you need a way to pay the bills so that you aren't so stressed and panicked all the time that you can actually focus on growing your business. I know because in those two months when I was jobless and just doing this and trying to figure it out I was in a constant state of panic I was afraid I was going to be like <laughs> unable to buy food I was just really really worried I was budgeting every penny and I mean that's no way to live your life so I would highly recommend if you were in the position of wanting to start an online business for sure do that but make sure you have a way to pay the bills whether it's you have someone to support you or you have a part-time job no shame in that if anything it will only help you so I just think that's a really harmful mindset when people are like, oh, just go ditch your, ditch your day job. No, don't do that. Like, you need a safety net. If you have enough savings to support yourself for months and months, sure. But most people don't, and I think it's unreasonable to expect people to just be okay putting their entire lives on the line. And some people have children, some people have spouses, and other people who rely on them. And you have to really just be careful. So that's all I'm saying. Next, virality. So... Sometimes things go viral, and that's simply it. Um, sometimes things just take off, and you don't know why, and suddenly you're sort of propelled into internet fame. I see this mostly on YouTube, but it also is really popular on Instagram. So basically, like, one video will go viral on YouTube, and suddenly this is a really relevant influencer, um, YouTube star, whatever. And, like, that is just a freak accident. The odds of this happening are very low, 
and you can't just wait your whole life waiting to become a viral star. Next is same on inf- uh, bleh, same on Instagram, where basically people you'll get like on that feed, you'll get on the um, what's it called the popular page, explore page, and um, you'll just get picked up by a lot of people. And usually it's a fluke accident, and there's really, like, despite what people might say, there's no way to control what goes on the Explore page. Instagram's algorithm is really tricky, and so you never really know what's going to be on that Explore page. So, honestly, it's a, it's a fluke accident, and that happens, and it's totally possible to ride that success, and you should ride it. But don't wait around to become the next big thing, because that's honestly not something anyone has any control over, and... It, a lot of the times it's an accident, another place, another right time, right place situation. So be careful about that. Next, um, marketing. Marketing will get you far. And I, I included this one, even though it is sort of one of the only ones in this list that you can really work hard at. But I do see this mindset a lot with people who think you can just build a website, you can just build an Instagram page, and people will just come to it naturally. This is not going to ever happen in a million years. You need a way to drive traffic, and if you don't have it, then you're just going to flounder there. And if you're okay floundering there or just having some very slow growth, then that's certainly fine. But I think most people want to actively be growing their blogs, their online presence. So having a really strong marketing strategy will really help you get to the top. And you can see this with a lot of different um, YouTubers, podcasters, bloggers, whatever, how they just can go from very low to really high pretty fast. And a lot of that comes down to marketing experience or getting lucky with their marketing experience. Last but not least, the final reason why bloggers are more successful than you are they're using tricks. And what I mean by tricks is not a good thing. They are using sneaky tricks to push themselves ahead. I see this in my line of work a lot as a copywriter and an online blog writer. Um, there are a lot of a lot of um, tricks going on. There's a lot of black hat SEO, a lot of fraudulent link building, and stuff like that that's really bringing people to the top of search engines, whether they deserve it or not. But aside from that, um, I see this a lot with Instagram. That's probably the most prevalent area to see it. You see it with the follow no follows. You see it with the, um, not follow no follow, that's an SEO, like follow unfollow. Um, You also see it with the buying of followers in these shady giveaways, all of that kind of stuff that you might think will end up working, but it probably won't. And I would definitely urge you to, like, take a close look at your followers, not your followers, but, like, other influencers who you might be suspicious of. Look at their followers. Do they all seem a little bit fishy? They probably are then. Are they participating in all of these giveaways? Things like that really just are, they're fraudulent. And it's the equivalent of buying followers. And it doesn't work. But it can give you this false sense of them having a large following. And I think that's really important to just keep an eye on. So, those were all the five reasons why bigger bloggers are more successful than you. (laughs) And it's a bit harsh, but it is true. So, let's talk about um, how you can be successful too. So, how can you actually be successful on the same level as these people? And first, just take a really realistic step back because a lot of things are at play and you're just not going to overnight wake up and be in the same position as a lot of these bloggers you might look up to. And that's totally okay because the world of micro-influencing is very vast and there's no limits really to what you can do on your own level as long as you're paying attention to the next things I'm about to list. So the biggest and most important thing I can tell you is to play the long game 
And what I mean by this is play the long game. Don't expect an overnight success. Don't expect any big night, like crazy changes that just fall from the sky. Play the long game. Like you're in it to win it. And this always reminds me of my cross country days when I was a cross country superstar. And by superstar, I mean I participated um, <laughs> when I would do cross country races because what you would learn is you're not supposed to sprint until the very, very end. So you would actually conserve energy until the very, very end and then you would push ahead um, or you would just sprint to pass another um, competitor. So this is a weirdly long-winded um, metaphor, but what I mean is don't sprint. <laughs> just get that that nice, sweet pace, that sweet mile time pace, because you're going to um, slow and steady wins the race, honestly. And if you can feel yourself coming up to a big obstacle, just sprint around it. <laughs> um, no, just like when you when you feel a change coming, like you're about to take another step, then maybe push it up a little bit, try something new, and get ahead, and then keep going, and eventually you're going to cross the finish line. Wow, that was a stretch of a metaphor. But basically, just play the long game. Like, don't succumb to any dumb tricks. Um, they're not going to get you anywhere. They might seem like it in the short run, but in the long run, they're just going to hurt you. So play the game right, and play it the long game. So... Next, you can carve out a niche for yourself. So back in the olden days, maybe like five years ago, a lot of bloggers were generalists and this worked perfectly because there was less saturation. There was less competition, so it was okay to talk a little bit about everything. But nowadays, it's much harder and I would really recommend you start off with a very specific niche and grow from there. You can always grow out, but it's it's hard to really hone in once you've already grown out. And I can say that with confidence as someone who has... Um, taking a really niche topic and then sort of switch to a different niche topic. It's very hard. So I would recommend starting with a niche, staying with that niche as long as you can, and you can always expand out from there. Finally, do it better. So see what those top bloggers are doing and do it better. Honestly, you can do it better. A lot of the time you really can because um, they're either slacking or they're doing to these dirty tricks or they're not really being as relatable as they think they are. Once again, going back to that privilege privilege thing a lot of the times you'll see them like talking about how to do this on a budget or blah 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 but in reality you know they're not really working on the same budget as like someone you would know so it's important to always talk to an audience that you would understand or to really just explain your own perspective in a way that is relatable and actually useful value rich content is always in demand and you can always have more of it so I don't mean to discourage anyone from starting blogging or freelancing or Instagram or whatever because there's always more space and we can always carve more niches. There's always an audience being underserved and there's so much room for more high quality content and what we see with more um, bloggers popping up every day is that the content levels are really going down and a lot of people are not delivering high quality content. So this is an opportunity for you to fill that need and just really make a name for yourself despite the popularity and you will get there before you know it. <laughs> so that was my motivational speech for the day and hopefully that made sense. I just really like to think about these things when I find myself comparing myself to other influencers or bloggers. I just like to think about, okay, so like what ways are they um, privileged or what ways are they marketing? Have they gone viral? Are they a situation where it's a right place, right time? Like, are they using any dirty tricks to get ahead? A lot of the times, some of these are at play 
a lot of the times it's not their fault, like, if they're viral or privileged or anything. I don't mean, like, I'm hitting on them, like, oh my gosh, how dare you? I'm just saying, um, it's good to keep that in mind because you can remember that, like, your own journey is a little bit different, and I don't mean to sound like some kind of woo-woo person with the journey thing. <laughs> I mostly mean it facetiously, but just that, um, everyone takes a different path, and when they, when your time comes, young one, you will, um, go to the light. I don't know. What was that? Was that Star Wars? I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> this was long-winded and I need to go to the gym and do something because I am having a good time. <laughs> anyway, thank you all for listening again. I'm sorry it was so confusing. Um, I will have another guest next week and we have a really exciting topic, but I wanted to talk about this because I was still, still fired up after my podcast last week with Sarah and I was like, I gotta say more and I might do a blog post on it. I might not. Who knows? I like to, I like to live on the edge and thank you so much for listening to Offbeat Grad for a year. Um, even if you're just starting now or if you've only listened to a few episodes, like I am so grateful for you. Um, thank you for putting me in your ears. That sounds weird. Um, great. Uh, have a productive Thursday. I will see you next week.